It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, December 9th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka's planning department will investigate whether several sections of city and state-owned land can be opened up for housing development. Finding solutions to Sitka's housing crisis is a goal of both the city's comprehensive and strategic plans. At a recent Sitka Planning Commission meeting, Planning Director Amy Ainsley highlighted tracts of municipal land that might be good for housing development. Ainsley said she focused on large swaths of land that are close to existing power and water connections. As we have found in all of our other studies, the farther you are away from utility infrastructure, the more expensive the cost is going to be. And if the goal is affordable housing, then obviously having high utility expenses is, you know, contravenes the whole goal, right? Ainsley said a large section of city-owned land behind Sitka High School is at the top of her list. She said the city should also consider state-owned land through the Indian River Valley. And so it, I, think, I think it's an area worth exploring. And with um, the current administration, there has, there has been some interest in, in working with, with municipalities to open state lands. Um, and particularly to give state lands to municipalities. And, you know, there's a lot of focus on housing, too. So I think it's, it's a good opportunity um, for us to be working with the state on this, on this piece of land. Ainsley said there are three questions city staff need to answer in evaluating the land, whether it's safe and buildable, how much housing can be built in the area, and how much it will cost. To answer those questions, Ainsley says she's budgeting for a study of all of the properties, which she hopes to kick off by the beginning of the next fiscal year and fund through grants. Commissioner Katie Riley said she was excited about the prospect of opening up more land for housing, but she noted that it doesn't solve the immediate problem of affordable housing in Sitka. You know, houses are built, they're, they're sold to the folks who can afford them, which a lot of the times are not necessarily the folks that are looking for housing in town. So um, having having a discussion, you know, amongst this this body of like what what affordability is, what that means. I know that it's a topic that we all hold a lot of different opinions on. And so I'm <laughs> excited to explore that as well. During public comment, Sitka resident Martina Kurzer said she hoped that further down the line, developers would consider options beyond single family homes. She recalled apartment buildings she saw on a recent trip to Juno's Auk Bay. I saw three buildings that were very attractive. They looked like a very beautiful apartment building overlooking um, the harbor there. And um, I was wondering, they have a lot more space than we do, but uh, is that anything? Is there anything we could do? Uh, how could we change our thinking to make the best uh, with the limited available space we have? And- Ainsley, the planning director, said in the new year, the commission should hold a special session to seek more community feedback on the future of housing development in Sitka. Petersburg's Early Childhood Education Task Force is seeking borough assembly approval to fund a program supporting continuing education for childcare workers. The program would be an adaptation of the Juno Hearts program. It's meant to help address the childcare access crisis in Petersburg by reducing staff turnover. KFSK's Rachel Cassandra has more. Petersburg is in the midst of a child care access crisis. According to a recent needs survey, 44% of caregivers don't work because of a lack of child care. The Borough Assembly appointed an Early Childhood Education Task Force to help figure out how to approach the issue on a borough level. Chelsea Tremblay heads that task force. She gave an update to the Borough Assembly at its December 5th meeting. Joining me is Katie Holmland. 
We just have a quick update for you. Homeland's on the task force and runs Kinderskog, a local child care center. Tremblay said the task force has been looking into the Juno Hearts program. They recently met with Brian Holst, who heads Juno's Economic Development Council. He shared the methodology behind the program, the positive effect it's had on staff turnover in Juno, and other lessons that they've seen trying to tackle this problem in their community. The proposed program would be similar to Juno's. It pays child care workers between two and 5000 a year for continuing education in the field. In a later interview with KFSK, Tremblay said sometimes continuing education is already required for maintaining certifications. We all do better with more training, and so continuing people to stay curious and stay invested in the field is really the goal, as well as demonstrating a gratitude for the kind of work that they're doing. It's such an underpaid position. Assemblymember Donna Marsh voiced concerns about the program at the meeting. She asked what would happen after the initial funding ran out, which could be in one or two years. It was to the tune of $40,000 a year that this would cost. Um, When ARPA funds run out, when these things run out, I I wonder what plan B is. The task force is requesting up to $40,000 in funding through the borough's ARPA grant. That's federal funding for COVID relief. Tremblay says the task force doesn't know yet where they would get funding for future years. But she said starting the program to see if it works would be a huge step in the process. In order to pursue further funding, sometimes you need the program to already be going so you can have a demonstrated impact of what the program's doing. In a later interview, Marsh said she doesn't want to add costs that she thinks Petersburg residents will ultimately shoulder. Bottom line, whether it's grant funded or put it putting it as a budget item on either the borough or the hospital, it increases costs. The presentation by Holst to the task force did address the economics of investing in early childhood education. Holst said research shows a 16% inflation-adjusted return on investment into early childhood development programs. And according to research, the earlier the investment in children, the greater return. Prenatal programs have the greatest dollar return, followed by programs for ages 0 to 3. Tremblay is not in the field of childcare herself. She says it's important to trust the experts for direction. We have well over a century's worth professional childcare and youth programming experience on the task force. Tremblay says that if this program is adopted, the task force could easily get immediate feedback. So it's pretty dreamy to be able to have that kind of... We have people on the task force who themselves will qualify, who then get to make sure that their employees understand how the process works. And then if it ends up being too complicated or messy or whatever, then they can bring it back and say, hey, we need this to actually be accessible to people. This proposal is the first ask for funds by the Early Childhood Education Task Force. If implemented, the program could start as soon as January with first payments going out around June. In Petersburg, I'm Rachel Cassandra. The Assembly will consider awarding funding for the proposed program at their next meeting, which is on the evening of December 19th. The video of Brian Holst discussing the Juno Hearts program is available on the borough's website at petersburgak.gov. It's part of the December 5th Assembly Packet.
A Prince of Wales Island nonprofit is gearing up for the holidays. By offering free gifts and food for Christmas dinners, volunteers at Prince of Wales Island Emergency Resources in Craig hope to combat rising prices and winter blues to give everyone a nice holiday season. KRBD's Reagan Miller reports. Prince of Wales Island Emergency Resources, better known as Power, provides food, clothes, and fuel to families in need on the island. With Christmas coming in just a couple weeks, the group's thrift store in downtown Craig will soon start offering a different kind of help, a hand in making Christmas happen for any struggling island resident. That help comes in the form of Christmas dinner baskets and access to what Power calls its Christmas gift room. Victoria Merritt has volunteered at Power for almost 40 years. She's also on the nonprofit's board. We have a room upstairs that is filled with gifts that are brand new or gently used, and we let people come in and they pick out um, a couple of gifts for their kids and something for their spouse, whatever. So it works out really well, and we have a uh, and then we have a, a Christmas dinner basket uh, program too, so people can get enough for a Christmas dinner. Both the baskets and the gifts are free of charge, no documentation required, and they'll be available starting December 14th. Merritt says she knows the holidays can be a tough time. You know, it's cold, everything's more expensive, particularly this year. So I think it's very helpful and people are, very, are usually very grateful. The store relies on donations from locals and businesses to keep its doors open. The annual Power Concert in mid-December is another way the group raises money. Ralph Mackey is one of the concert's organizers. Well, it'll be a collection of local artists who are um, playing and singing uh, and reciting uh, Christmas and winter-related uh, songs and, and poems. The concert has become a staple of the holiday season in Craig. Um, it's an annual concert. Um, actually, our last two concerts were, on, um, were online uh, because of COVID, but this is our 23rd annual concert. Our first one was held in 2000. All proceeds from the Pay What You Want show go towards Powers programs. There's a rumor that uh, Santa may show up. The concert is scheduled for 3 p.m. Sunday, December 11th at Craig High School. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. Taking a look at the community calendar. The deadline for designers to register for Wearable Art 2023 is next Friday, December 16th. To register, go to sitkaartscouncil.org. No registration fee is required. Youth of all ages are invited to find 20 wintry pictures hidden inside Sitka Public Library through Friday, December 23rd. Once found, the secret message is to be decoded, and correct answers are entered into a raffle for a prize. For more information, email maite.lorente at cityofsitka.org or call 907-747-4020. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.